0: mindchimp podcast hey Jamie, welcome to the mindchimp podcast how are we doing
1: yeah really good it's so good to talk to you
0: good good so roughly what time is it where you are right now
1: uh it just uh, became 9 a.m about uh, one minute ago so yeah a little bit earlier than it is for you over there i'm sure
0: yes it is indeed this is now two o'clock in the afternoon on a sunday and the sun Excellent. is shining the sun is shining over here
1: yeah, same here, which is like so fantastic. We've had so many crazy storms lately.
0: <laughs> wow. It's, um, it's really interesting, you know, I guess, just before we get into the podcast, we in UK probably have around about four days of sun and, you know, <laughs> the rest of the days are usually a bit dull and rainy. So what we'll do is we'll try and get it done within the hour so we can go and embrace the sunshine.
1: Yeah, excellent.
0: Perfect. So before we jump in, I want you to, um, I asked you, I asked a lot of people, you know, when they get onto the podcast to kind of... Give me their log line, of, mm-hmm. you know a summary of who they are and what, what they're all about. Do you have yours?
1: Yeah, so for me, I'm I've been in learning and development now for it's probably about seven, seven or eight years, fell into it kind of by accident. And what I decided to do right from the beginning was focus on digital and social media. Um, for me, at that time, Twitter, LinkedIn, things like that were a bit new. And I thought, well, if I kind of dig in and start to learn this, maybe I stay a step ahead of some of my colleagues. And that has served me well um, since I decided to do that. And so what my focus has been is kind of helping people see how digital can help sort of, I guess, amplify some of the great effects that learning and development should be about, uh, like performance support, for example, just-in-time, on-demand, learning, these types of things. And so I've been just for the past like bunch of years exploring tools like chatbots and other sort of platforms to just see what works, what doesn't work, what could be helpful, um, what can make things more convenient. And so I find that um, that has been sort of the way that I've been playing is helping people learn, helping people see and have a vision that's a bit more a little bit more expanded in terms of what we can do as LND professionals by adding in a, a few more of these nice little shiny tools, as people like to say.
0: <laughs> Superb! Instantly, I know me and you were going to get on, Jamie, and I guess that's kind of how we got in touch. We were talking about chatbots and how yes, you know, the yes. value you could bring, and it was Mike Collins who actually put me onto you and um, yeah, said on LinkedIn. Come. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike is an awesome guy. Um, did did you actually, did you get to meet Mike? Did you?
1: No the, the, the thing about learning technologies there in the uh, in London in January was that a, a bunch of the people I wanted to meet were on the trade show floor, and I have never seen a trade show that huge in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> and I found it a little bit overwhelming and a little bit hard to navigate, and so I didn't spend as much time down there as I wanted, and then I wasn't then able to meet some people. But the other thing about learning technologies that I really liked was I had so many good conversations with people, and so um, those conversations were great, of course, and that's what I like about going to conferences, but it just also meant that I... I wasn't as available and out and about as I might have been to be able to run into some of these great people. So I'm hoping to see you back in that city again sometime soon because there's so many great people over there. I'd like to meet yourself included. Even though you're in Manchester, it's a little closer than Toronto or Canada. (laughs) Very true.
0: It's really interesting. You know, I think before we pressed Ricard, we were talking about how. Technology, it's it still fascinates me now. How you know it's nine o'clock over in yeah, yeah. well in in where you are, and it's kind of two o'clock over in the, you know in the afternoon. Yet yeah, we're still are yeah. able to kind of have this conversation. If it yeah, helps, I love it. if it helps, Mike is probably fifteen minutes away from me, um, oh, and, and we have never met in person. Our our whole friendship and relationship is based around WhatsApp and communication and talking wow. and sharing. Yeah, so wow, just goes to show. Um, but I am I've met Mike's partner. Um, I, I think it was more of a, a kind of a, co- a conference a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, me and Mike still can't get our calendars to line up, but yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Definitely worth reaching out to when you're over here as well.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Perfect. Okay. So before we get into kind of a little bit about Jamie and who he is, I want you to pick
1: four numbers for me,
0: please, Jamie, from one to a hundred.
1: Oh, okay. Um, 10. Okay. Um, 17.
0: Yep. 36 yeah uh 64 okay that's it so we got 10 17 36 and 64. oh i'm done already okay yeah, there you <laughs> i wasn't numbers. keeping track <laughs> yeah no no it's fine so question what i always ask the people who join the podcast when you was in school jamie and the teacher would say jamie what what is it you want to be when you grow up what was it you would say
1: I don't remember ever having a solid answer for that. And the only reason is because my father was just like a kind of factory worker, which I mean, I'm not saying that factory work is not good, but it's not necessarily something kids want to aspire to. And my mom was just working retail in a toy store, which is also something that kids don't really go, oh, I want to sell toys in a toy store. So I didn't have a vision for that kind of thing, and we didn't have friends or neighbors who were doctors or lawyers or firefighters. And so for me, I just got super interested in art. I was always drawing, I was painting, I was doing printmaking, and I actually ended up going to art school. So I did want to become an artist, actually. And I guess the only reason I didn't is I, I had that fear of the starving artist <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of stereotype. And I saw some other people who were full-time artists, not really making good money and always struggling. And I thought, eh, maybe I, I, I don't want to do that because I do want food on the table. Um, so although it's kind of a regret of mine and on one side of, of things, um, that's what I used to say, is that I was going to be an artist and and more specifically, a, um, someone who just was going to draw and and create images for people that way. I, I didn't actually think that painting was my 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 skill. So I was going to be, I think, what you call a draftsman.
0: Okay, okay. So there's a, there's a real good book which I, I read um, probably about a year ago. Um, it's called The War of Art. the War of Art. Um, and it's actually talking about that kind of, you know, this this image of a starving artist and kind of really good book actually. If you get get your hands on it, it's probably worth a read.
1: Yeah, it'd be, yeah, I'd be looking forward to look. Yeah, something like that, I think, would be good for me right now because I've decided that this is the year I get back into art um, and I've got myself a studio. So um, it's time. Uh, it's been a lot of years that I haven't kind of exercised that skill, and this is the year that I'd like to bring that back into my life again.
0: Oh, perfect. Another person as well who comes to mind, Amy Baval. Have you heard of her? Yes, yes, I have. Yep, she's awesome as well for just creativeness in general, more than anything. Um, That's that's kind of, I kind of look at her and look at what she's doing creative. She's been on the podcast as well, Jamie, so yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah, so okay, what I thought we'd do is before we get into a little bit more depth about you, um, we'll play a little bit of um, buzzword bingo. I'm going to fire out some words to you, and I want you just Mm -hmm. to tell me what comes to mind when when I say these words. Okay. Okay. First one is e-learning. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: god the first word that comes to my mind with e-learning is uh, status quo well that's two words but the phrase that comes to my mind is status quo
0: ok Okay. Um, classroom training
1: uh, traditional
0: ok and digital L&D confusing ok and one more let's have Jamie Good.
1: <laughs> Dangerous.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, Jamie, thanks for that. So, you know, me, me and you've talked in the past and we've talked, you know, we use the power of WhatsApp to talk and kind of, I guess, go back and forth a, li- a quite a bit. Um, yeah. But maybe, yeah, if you could give the listeners a bit of a brief background into kind of where you've come from and, yeah, give us a bit of a brief background over your bio and to where you are right now.
1: Yeah, so I was um, also by accident I fell into teaching English as a second language uh, many years ago. Um, I won't want, I don't want to give away, give away my age, but when I was in college I met some refugees from Iran. They were Kurdish refugees and they needed a lot of help with just language, navigating the city, etc. And so I started sort of helping them with the language, really liked it, and had always wanted to leave Canada to explore another country. So. I went and taught English in Brazil for a couple of years, came back, got into an what we call ESL school, English is a second language school. And after doing that for a while, I was kind of thinking, you know, this is kind of the same thing um, over and over because grammar doesn't really change um and vocabulary is vocabulary. So I talked to a friend who was in adult learning and development. He suggested the industry, which i had actually never heard of. And so I I got a master's certificate in adult training and development and simultaneously did an online certificate, uh, or sorry, online instruction certificate, and uh, just jumped in. And so I think what I really like about it, because it's funny, everyone in my family, not everyone, but most of the people in my family are teachers on my mom's side, and I had never wanted to be a teacher and I it was sort of funny when I got into it everybody my aunts and uncles was saying to me like oh this makes sense like you're following in everybody else's footsteps and it was never my plan but what I like about it is that you get to help people well learn and develop you get to help them get better at things and and get better at life and open up their mind to more possibilities see potential in things that they might not see these are the things I, I really like about it is that we struggle every day, I think, to figure out what life is about, how to navigate things, how to get to work and back. And then once we get to work, what do we do? And what do we do with all these meetings we have? And I like to be able to help people sort of wrap their heads around these things and see different skills or um, new ways of looking at things that can just make this all easier. Because I think we, we struggle a lot and to make, make life, I think, a little more... I don't know how to really put it. Like not 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 necessarily easier. I don't want to keep using that word, but just that we are able to figure out our place in it a bit better. And I think that comes from learning and development.
0: Okay, so yeah, I guess kind of. So what is it you you kind of where you, where you at right now? What what is it you're working on right now? And yeah. Well, yeah.
1: So, actually, what I'm going to be doing today after I get off with you is meeting a friend of mine. We're going to take our hammocks because we're super big fans of our hammocks. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to find a couple of trees uh, in a forest nearby. And we're going to hang up in the hammocks with our notebooks and pencils, very old school. <laughs> and we're going to talk and start building uh, workshops based around the idea of self care and mindfulness. And so, Alongside the art this year, another kind of direction I want to explore a bit more is mental health or mental wellness, as I like to call it, um, with this idea of self-care, mindfulness, and just helping people in this space because I keep hearing and I keep seeing stats about the rise in anxiety, depression, um, mental illness in the workplace, and it really, I find it a little sad. Um, and because I have lived experience with mental illness and I've really dug in to figure out how to live with it, I want to help other people kind of in, in the similar scenario. And I think that men don't talk about it very much. I don't think that it's a popular topic among men to talk about mental illness. And because I'm not uncomfortable with it, it's not taboo for me. Um, I would like to explore how I can help people with my learning and development background, with the digital experience that I have, and see how I can help people handle and maybe live with their struggles of mental illness a little bit better. So that's something I'm exploring now, actually, a bit more.
0: Okay, superb, it sounds good. And it, it is, It is, you know, you, you are um, on the money with that, you know, it still is a bit of a taboo subject, especially for men, um, which is such a shame. But I guess, you know, looking on kind of the internet, about what what you've been up to and stuff and stuff we've talked about so you've been working a lot with empathy and stuff thank you and yes yeah, yes maybe, maybe so that's
1: it that. sorry go ahead
0: yeah no maybe touch upon that a little
1: yeah so that's the other piece I'm exploring because I think that the empathy piece um, first of all is lacking in a lot of organizations unfortunately I think if you're a leader without empathy you're gonna have a really hard time um, leading the people that you're supposed to lead and you're gonna have a hard time having success in the marketplace if your company is not um, you know not necessarily focused on empathy but has it as part of culture has it as part of the approach to each other and the the customers outside the the building so empathy for me also though ties into mental wellness in that If you are a leader, for example, and you've got people saying, I need time off because of anxiety or I'm struggling with depression, I have um, a struggle with this other mental illness and you don't have empathy, it's going to be very difficult for you to learn how to deal with that scenario. And so, for example, um, one of the larger banks here in Canada has reached out to me recently and they want me to just basically share my story and talk about my struggles and how I'm dealing with what I'm working through so that they can just fire questions at me because they're having so many leaves of absences in their organization and they don't know what to do with it. Um, And so I think the empathy mental wellness will be something that I would be able to wrap together. Currently, the empathy piece for me is just helping people understand it and understand it in a way that it's actually a skill and it's not just some thought or theory. Because we often talk about things like these quote-unquote soft skills like empathy in saying like, oh, we need empathy. Empathy is so good. Put yourself in other people's shoes and try to understand them. Well, this is really great. But what does that look like as a skill or as a process or a day-to-day action that you actually do as opposed to just talking about it? And so that's what I'm helping people explore is, yeah, you, you kind of understand empathy. But what does it look like when you get to work tomorrow if you want to demonstrate it in the workplace?
0: Yeah yeah perfect and there's um there's, there's someone i I'd put you in touch with as well jimmy after this um so a close friend of mine saki mohammed he created a great kind of um workshop around empathy and um, he's mm-hmm. a big telecoms company Um, so yeah it might be worth you bouncing ideas a top yeah real real nice guy as well
1: um, yeah that'd be great i i love this is like what we were talking about technology earlier i think my favorite thing is the connections that I'd be able to make um, through, for example, like you mentioned, LinkedIn and WhatsApp for us, um, Twitter with other people like Helen Blunden. I think it's really fantastic how I've been able to expand my network but also expand my vision and thoughts about things through technology. So just you talking about connecting me through um, digital uh, tools, like I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, when you, when you go into say these 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 companies and stuff and, you know, you go in and you look at kind of the workplace. What what's kind of some of the, the the key things you see repeated over and over again in different in different say companies or you know different clients.
1: You know, uh, this is maybe not, not what you're expecting me to say, but the one thing that I have noticed over and over and over again is that I think that a lot of people have trouble and teams and people and teams have a lot of trouble figuring out what it is that they actually should be doing. What is the important work um, as Cal Newport likes to call it, like the deep work and what to prioritize because I find Um, And and just how to work better and more efficiently. It's why I decided to call myself the digital fluency coach about four years ago is because I worked for an organization and people would ask me for help or I'd be sitting beside them and I'd see how they would use their computer and I would see how they would use email or PowerPoint. And I was like, oh, there's a way faster way for you to do that. And I would teach people like, you know, special like little tips that would help them just get things done faster. And that's something I keep seeing over and over again is that we showed up at work, we were given the laptop and the login, we got a cubicle or a desk or whatever, and then we were given the Microsoft Office suite, but no one showed us how to actually use it. We just had these things thrown at us. And then so we created these bad habits of how we use these tools that have never gone away and they're inefficient they're, um, they don't help us prioritize us properly and focus on the things that actually matter. And I think that's the thing I keep seeing over and over again is helping, and that's why I decided to do the digital fluency piece is to help people get better at digital so they can get better at what they do and focus on the things that are more important and actually make the company money and actually make a difference.
0: Okay. It's really interesting to talk about kind of um, you know tips and hacks and stuff, I, can, I guess. So here's a question for you. So what's the... What's the one thing, the 80-20, let's use that respect, so, you know, example being 20% of my contacts in my phone, I dial and speak to 80% of the time, where the other 80% I only speak to 20% of the time. So, what's your 80-20 hack? And maybe it's personal, maybe it's professional, and, you know, these questions moving onwards can be aimed at you personally or you professionally. What's your biggest hack to save time in what you do?
1: Wow, well, that's a big question. Um, this is a lot of things that I try to use. Um, I find, honestly, it's so funny. Um, it's It sounds maybe old school, but um, I really like my notebook and my pencil. Um, and pencil or pen, I just really prefer a lead pencil. <laughs> um, and w- what really helps me sometimes is I just think, like... We have this like to-do list addiction, I think, in modern society. Like if you go in the app store, you're going to see probably 15,000 to-do list apps, and there's more on Product Hunt every day. Great. Like, it's great. You have these to-do lists. Okay. It's sort of helpful. But then you write down 20 things you want to get done today. And then you look at it and go, oh my God, how am I going to do this? You feel so overwhelmed. So my one thing that I learned a few years ago that I think really helps me that I'm going to combine this with two things, if that's okay. but just to write down like two or three things that i absolutely have to get done today on a on a notebook and then i just cross them out when it happens because that a lot of people say and i agree that crossing things out makes you feel like you actually accomplished something (laughs) but i think that what that does is is if i sit down in the morning and i go okay i have like a workshop coming up on friday for example and i have to get the slides done so i gotta get that done today Then what it does is it helps you prioritize in this piece that I was just mentioning early and it helps you see what things that really are going to move the needle and are going to help you get a little bit further ahead. And I talk to people about this and they're like, yeah, but you're only doing two or three things. And I'm like, well, how many things do you get done in a day like that are really significant? And most people will be like, yeah, actually, I only got about one thing done today that really mattered and so i think if you are able to get two great things done every day you will just step by step get further ahead and get closer to the goals that you want and it seems to work for me but the other thing that i do and this is it also comes from the fact that i'm like super high on the adhd scale but i i use that what we call the pomodoro technique where I i will i will chunk time out during the day and focus for like 25 good minutes and then give myself a break and then focus for 25 good minutes and then give myself a break. Because I think it's really unrealistic for us to think that we can sit down for two hours and work on something focused the whole time and actually producing well that whole time. So I like to space things out. And I have recently put on um, apps that block things on my phone and then block things on my computer so that I'm not distracted by Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of these things, Instagram during the day, because those are black holes that I get really, I can really jump in. And so that's the other thing recently that's really helped me is just putting... I actually am using the technology to block me from accessing the technology. <laughs> <laughs> but it works. It totally works. I love it. I love it. So
0: if I was to say to you, you have to give a book as a gift to
1: three friends.
0: What book would you give?
1: Um, flow. It, it would be flow. Um, and uh, can I uh, can I say two? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it would be flow by the writer that I can never pronounce his name, Macallie Chikoles. I honestly have no clue how to pronounce his last name. But it's such a brilliant book. on talking about how we get into flow and when we are the happiest based on what we're working on and what we're, we're spending our time on. It's a f- fabulous book, and I actually did give it to people for Christmas. And then the other book that has literally changed my life, and I'm not exaggerating, is called Boundaries and Relationships. Um, I believe it's, it's by a doctor. I think his first name is Charles. He has a little bit of a spiritual, religious slant to some of it in some of the book. But it was so helpful for me in learning about boundaries and how to set them and create healthy boundaries in my life so that I was um, protecting my space, but also just being able to get more done um, that I need to do. And it, it, it was a, it's a fan, I recommend it to so many people.
0: Okay, I'll, um, I'll check them out. So, you know, over, over the space of your career, and, you know, in, let's call it just wrap it up into a nice nutshell of learning development. What's, What's been your your positive failure? And when I say that, I mean you know something what happened to you which was deemed um, a negative in a moment, and maybe a week, a year, you know, two years down the line. Looking back to it, you can go. Actually, that was that was a really positive moment for me because if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be where I am.
1: Hmm. That's another really good question too. What was my positive failure? I think, so it's so interesting. I'm going to have to think about this for a second. Um, Sorry for those of you listening for this little bit of pause, but (laughs) this is a really good question. I believe my mistake, so I'm going to think recently because I mean, I make mistakes all the time, but I think one of my 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 kind of mistakes was thinking that digital was going to be the thing and social media was going to be the thing that everybody was going to use and no one would do e-learning anymore and there like classroom training was dead and i actually wrote an article uh, on linkedin a couple years ago saying like instructional design is dead or something like that and oh my god did people kill me for that one <laughs> but I had this like real kind of like, oh, digital is going to change the world. And I think that was a mistake in that it's not um, necessarily the the, the the reality on the ground, so to speak. And not everybody embraced Twitter like I thought they would. Not everybody embraced Facebook like I thought they would. Um, and it, it's still like it's still something that a lot of people haven't got their heads wrapped around. And I think that was a bit of a mistake on my part because I think I sounded in the public sphere, I think I sounded a little bit too pushy, a little bit too aggressive. I think it, it didn't help me, quote unquote, gain fans and, and a lot of allies. I think I pushed a lot of people away when I was trying to share a message that I thought was important, I still think is important, but I think I could have done it in a better way. But the positive to that is that because it kind of made me, quote unquote, dig in my heels, it forced me to dig in further and actually go look at some research, talk to more people, explore a bit more and understand what it was like for people who were fighting against me and say, like, why are you so uh, opposed to this idea of digital? And I think that really is actually ended up in the end served me well so that I'm not just it's the empathy piece it's helping me not just speak from my own experience and my own opinion but seeing where it sits for other people who are stuck in like an insurance company for example where they don't have a choice where the LMS they were given is the only thing that they can use and where IT locks everything down um I think that so that is the I think would be my answer um uh, if that makes sense
0: yeah no and I think. You touched upon something as well. You know, I think what I was talking to a, an executive coach, um, about just people, you know, in learning development. And I think we, even though we're in the world of learning development, we have a lot of fixed opinions. Yes. And I just think, look, at the end of the day, everyone's got an opinion and whether my opinion is right or whether it's wrong, we're all equally allowed to have our opinions. I can say the sky is blue. You can say the sky is green. That's completely fine. It's your opinion. Um, and I think what you see now is you see either people becoming slightly aggressive because they don't agree to your opinion, um, and slightly probably attackive in a way. Um, yeah. But More actually, than slightly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I just think you know we're, we're grown ups. We're allowed to change our mind. If my opinion is the sky is blue, and then next week my opinion is the sky is green, I'm allowed to change my opinion. Yeah. That's we're we grown up. We we you know yeah. we, we're allowed to change our opinions. We don't be fixed in it. And especially when we talk to kind of, you know, people within learning and development, our users, our learners, or whatever you want to call them, we're talking to them about this kind of growth mindset, fixed mindset, and, you know, being able to, you know, a- adapt to change. So I think sometimes maybe we have to kind of, yeah, eat our own porridge, so to speak, and, you know, be, be flexible with our opinions and our ideas.
1: Yeah, I think I totally agree. I think one of the pieces that I recognize is there is this thing called fear <laughs> and it is pretty strong in, in the experience for a lot of people. So when you are working and you're kind of doing like the traditional approach to any kind of job and you see and hear about social media and the cloud and big data, Um, AI, machine learning. I can see that it would create some fear in people that don't know what the hell it means and are thinking, "Am I going to have a job in four years?" Like there, there, there's. I think this is natural tendency for us to look at things as that we don't understand. We perceive them as threats and we want to run from them. And so I, I believe that was the experience that I was having when I was putting these things out online. It was appearing to be a threat to many people. And I used to write it in that way. I would say, like, this is a threat to L&D, like, this is a threat to your job. Well, what are people naturally going to do? Their brain is just going to see that and go, OK, I'm, I'm not touching this. Yeah, And I, that makes total sense to me um, because I feel like that about things as well. So it's hard. But the, the, the problem I find with this is that I I think and this oh, I don't know how this is going to land for people who are going <laughs> to listen to this later. But like what really frustr- frustrates me about the era we're in right now, which people are kind of calling the Trump era, where there is this absolutely insane divide in the United States between Trump supporters and people who don't support where they're sometimes not even able to talk to each other without yelling and screaming and, 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 and stuff. I, I, I find that this attitude is seeping into L&D online now. Like I will see people talk about L&D myths, you know, like learning styles and um, Myers-Briggs and all these other things. And, and, and the, the sort of anger and the attack mode that people get into makes me feel like we're replicating what is in the political arena. And I'm not saying that it's great that we continue carrying myths throughout the years in the L&D space, but if someone goes into a classroom and their number one intention is to help people learn, and they believe that learning styles are a thing, and so they've designed their workshop to try to address these quote-unquote different styles that everybody learns, and then people go in the workshop and there's a variety of activities. There's a variety of things that this person is designed because they think that people want to absorb the content in these different ways. I sometimes think like, is that so terrible? I'm, I'm sure the people still learned. I'm sure they still had fun. Um, and that facilitator probably enjoyed the experience as well. But if that person was to put out on LinkedIn, oh, I did this workshop today and I addressed these different learning styles, I can guarantee you, that there are a number of L&D people who attack them immediately and say, please stop propagating this myth. Stop. This is not true. Here's the science. I get it. Like I totally get it. I know that the research is important. I love what Patty Shanker is doing, for example. Um, and I, I love that people are taking research and applying it to ideas so that we're not Going based on assumptions. We're not going based on guesses like I think we have for too long. But at the same point, if there's somebody somewhere who wants to do that workshop, let them do it. Yeah. Like I I think we're we're in this dangerous space right now where we're we're taking sides and we're 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 pushing people down and it is not easy to put yourself out there on social media for everyone to see and expose yourself. It takes a bit of courage, and I think we need more voices. Like Helen Blunden says, we need a variety of voices out there online. We need more opinions, and I find that a lot of people currently are pushing down other people's opinions too quickly, um, and in ways that are uh, seemingly more harsh and aggressive than they need to be. And I just wish it wasn't like that. Um, If you come to me next week and you text me on WhatsApp and you say the sky is green and I believe this now, I'm still gonna be your friend. I'm still gonna think you're a good guy with good um, ideas and good approaches to life and work. It's not gonna change my opinion about you. And I think, unfortunately, right now, we have this kind of idea that if you believe these things, you are not in my group. Yeah. Right? And I think that's dangerous because it's this is a time, especially now, when you've got some stuff going on in the UK as well that's a little bit crazy, <laughs> yeah. that we need to learn how to work together and collaborate and accept the fact that we don't all believe the same damn thing.
0: Yeah. Spot on. And I think it's it's really interesting. I have, I have fell foul of this Um and I'm glad I'm I'm. Glad I'm, o- I'm okay to say I fell far all of this. So I think what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot of tribalism within our mm. within yes. Um, And I, I was talking to the guys from Good Practice podcast. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually Tuesday. And I was saying, you know, it's really interesting. One of them cracked a joke about kind of um, learning styles. And everyone was laughing. Like, ha, 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 learning styles, blah, blah, blah. And, and kind of a, in a very... I Don't know how I can phrase this in a very kind of not smug that's the wrong word to use, but kind of a very ha 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 laughing at the others. yeah, as if was like better than you know the others, but I just think hold on a minute. the chances are most of you at one point or another have bought into learning styles. yeah, so I, I don't think we should be in a, in a way where we can laugh and joke at it because great we you know the, the information at that time was learn styles existed. the information at this time is that learn styles don't exist. But I don't think we should kind of laugh at it. I think we should just say, oh, well, that was just kind of, you know, something what we bought into then. And, you know, n- new information showing it isn't. It's um, it's such a shame. And I think you talk about new ideas and stuff. And Amy Baval is something which she uses a re- remix concept of taking something which is already out there and remixing it to adapt it to whatever you need it to do. I think, you know what? Learning styles, while well, the data out there shows that, you know, learning styles don't exist. But actually, if I could remix the learning style and still get the end goal of people understanding one thing or another, then, you know what, it's just another tool. It's just just remixing something to, to get another outcome, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Like, it, So you 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 know we're going to get killed for this, right? So just 100%. be ready for when you release this <laughs> <laughs> people are gonna hate me for this for sure and 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 the thing is like listeners, whoever's listening to this, I know that I'm sounding like a hypocrite here too, because I have done this before, like I have been that attacker in the past yeah. um where I have tried to like smoke someone on Twitter um for some kind of idea that they put out there. I know I've done this. Um, and I used to have a Slack group and I used to drive the guys in the Slack group crazy because I would, I would just push every button I could. But my, my purpose at that time was just to get people to think more about these things. And let's go deeper and let's explore it deeper because if there's one thing that drives me nuts about L&D is this continual conversation about ROI and we don't have a seat at the table and does our jobs matter and how can we make a difference to the business? It's like, oh my God, like, can we not figure this out? And I don't think it's helpful for us to be able to figure this out by just arguing with each other all the time and saying who's right and who's wrong. Um, and I do, like I say, I, I, am going to repeat that. I think research and data is super important. Like I've done webinars on big data and measurement, and I just helped the team last week dig into that because it is important. Like just going based on assumptions is not the great way to go forward, but like do we have to take that data and then shoot other people down i don't think that's a smart approach um we could be a bit nicer about it because as i said if we if we put things out there in a way that it seems a little bit more aggressive i think people's brains are naturally just going to retreat and they're going to kind of put their hands up and go i I don't want to hear this and i don't want to look at this this is this is something else that you're telling me i have to learn now and i just don't have time um i gotta take my kids to soccer like it, it it, it has to fit into our routine and it has to be something that it it attracts people as a as opposed to repels them and I think currently we're not doing such a great job at attracting people to the better way quote unquote of l and d because like you said, we will sit together in a little side room and laugh about those other people out there who haven't learned what we've learned yet, and that's not helpful yeah. I, I mean, it's like it's it's like fucking Mean Girls. It's like yeah. the movie. Like we're replicating the movie for crying out loud.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I can com- I completely agree. And I think, you know, I think the growth from that is from a personal is you, you have to kind of sit. Back. It's so easy to be kind of reactive to something and mm-hmm. kind of get in the moment and and go back and forth. And I think sometimes you have to realize that people are trying to honey trap you one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And two, actually. Me putting out a reactive response, will it get us anywhere? Probably not. It'll just get into a heated debate. And you know what? I think the, the growth inside the person is realizing when to kind of engage with good conversations and when to step away from, yes. essentially, yeah. It's, um, yeah, think-
1: because online, um, although I love it, I still really love Twitter, but I see so much stuff on there that I go, oh my God, this is so terrible. People can be so terrible to each other online. And, and it's so easy because unfortunately, we sometimes let our self-awareness um, drop a little bit and we go emotion first. And um, I believe that Facebook, Twitter, and these platforms are set up to trigger our emotions first and not our logic. And you will see this in people's responses and it's, it's unfortunate. I think we just need to step back sometimes and think about it. Like there's often nowadays now where I do not respond to a tweet immediately I wait a couple of hours or even a day. And I know it frustrates people because we have this instant, um, we want these instant responses, but I will wait because I know if I go to sleep, wake up in the morning, the world always looks different the next day and I might respond better and differently if I let it sit. So sometimes now, um, like you'll even notice, you had been tweeting me a couple of weeks ago or even last week and it took me about a day and a half to respond to you. Um, <laughs> just because I wanted to think about it. We were um, debating, um, what was it we were debating now? Uh, oh, about, about online communities. Yeah. Whether Slack was better or whether WhatsApp was better. And um, it was a really cool conversation. And it's the thing that I love about Twitter and what it used to be for me more so than what it is now is where we would debate and discuss and share opinions around a certain topic and learn from each other and actually have a conversation as opposed to just pushing out links all the time. And so I really liked it and I was like, okay, I'm finally getting what I want out of Twitter again, where I'm having real conversation with people and digging into good, important topics. So I don't wanna just respond with emotion. I wanna think about it. And I did like, I read what you were saying. I read what, um, I can't remember everybody that was involved in that conversation. Helen was, I know. And we were talking about Slack and how Slack can be a little bit crazy. And, but WhatsApp, I was asking you, like, how do you keep track of all the messages? And it was good. Like I was actually spending time after thinking about it. And then I I waited before I responded to you. And I guess I I know it's difficult for us to do that because then we can even just forget that we were having those conversations and not end up responding at all. But like, it's maybe better than just responding in emotions first. And being a little bit too aggressive,
0: yeah. And I, th- I think you know, you could see something one day, and then it, it drives that emotion. And then the next day, you wake up and you think, I'm not even going to let that control me today. I'm not even going to address it. Exactly. I have the option of yeah, exactly. actually addressing it. Um, but no, I think you know, um, communities and WhatsApp communities. You know, I'd love to get you into into kind of the community which I built. I think you might <clears throat> it might be interesting for you to kind of just sit back and watch how that works. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay, so let's let's kind of step step change a little bit so if I was to say to you okay Jamie you can have a football stadium American football stadium okay and you can have a billboard outside that stadium and everybody coming out of that stadium is going to see this billboard what message or what quote or what would you put
1: on that billboard That is like one of the best questions I've ever heard. (laughs) So so I'm just going to tell you right now, Danny, that this podcast is going somewhere because you have such good (laughs) questions. So that's an easy one for me because it's tattooed on my arm. Um, Remember to breathe.
0: Remember to breathe. Okay. I like that. I like that. That's good.
1: I have discovered through my experience in life that just pausing to breathe properly, um, like from the gut, um, nice and slow, this what we call deep breathing, mindfulness breathing, whatever the hell you want to call it, has really saved my life. Um, it has kept me calm. It has prevented me from road rage. It has helped me, for example, not responding in a terrible way on Twitter um it's it's been such a gift to me to learn about this concept of deep breathing and just pausing to breathe um as a as a form of self-care it's just been amazing for me so if i could tell the whole world something it would be three words remember to breathe
0: okay perfect so i guess this kind of leads us on to our next question so when you know in your day-to-day life when sometimes you probably feel either stressed or Maybe maybe it could be a case of you're lacking focus in what you're doing. How is it you you regain either composure or you know regain focus on, on the work ahead? Maybe maybe you've just answered the question. I'm not sure.
1: Well, so yeah, I do I do breathe a lot because it's something that's always with me, and people don't necessarily see it. So if I'm in a meeting that's frustrating me, which <laughs> I'm sure everybody listening has had one of those, <laughs> you can't walk out right? You can't just walk out and go oh, fuck this, like this is ridiculous. But I can sit there and I can do the breathing because you can feel your heart rate increase when you're getting frustrated. You can feel the blood coming up into your like face. So I will sometimes I will just sit and I will put my hand on my stomach because that doesn't look weird necessarily to anybody there. And I can just feel the breath coming from my stomach and it does really help me. Um, the other thing I'd like to do if I can is just walk, um, especially in nature. I try to put myself in nature at least once a week because there's just something about it. I think it's so helpful to us um, to just remove us from the crazy. And I've been trying as best as I can to unplug a lot more because I'm so addicted to my phone. I think digital, I think social. Um, There's so many cool apps out there and I love all of this stuff. Like our house is pretty hooked up to be kind of like a smart home in a way. But I also just like to disconnect, be in my hammock, listen to the birds read a book or not and just rest and I think it's so scary for some people and it's so difficult for people to just have moments of silence because we're afraid of the thoughts that come into our brain in those times Um, but I'm not afraid of that and so I do it as much as I can
0: okay okay good advice good advice
1: and I'm giving you really long answers. I'm so sorry. This is going to be, oh, I don't know if you have a time limit for your podcast. But. I
0: do not. I do not. I do not. And I, I, this is another good thing. I think, you know, one of the things which I've noticed while doing this podcast is these podcasts could go on for easy three hours. Be, be yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even on just one topic, you could, you could kind of pick it apart and go back and forth and listen to each other's ideas. Um so it it's literally so easy to make these, you know, as long as possible. But don't worry about time, Jimmy. I've got all the time okay. in the world. Um <laughs> so if I was to say to sum up to me, how would you explain? Yeah, let's do it this way. How would you explain to a three year old what it is you do?
1: Oh my god, these are really good questions. Man, I want to steal some of these. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely take them. I'll send them over. Explain it. Explain it to. It. So I have a I have a four year old nephew. So how would I explain? He's totally uh, like enamored with me. He's so cute. And so how would I tell him what I do? Um, I would say I try to help people get better at work and life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that he would understand that. But um, if he asked me, well, what does that mean? Then I would say to him, you know, when you go to school some days and the teacher is talking to you or a friend is talking to you and you don't understand what it is they're telling you. And I can guarantee you he will say yes, because I will ask him what he learns at school. And he's like, I don't know. I didn't understand. <laughs> he's so cute. And I would say, well, in that moment. I'm trying to figure out how I could help you understand that, that that thing you heard or what the teacher was telling you so that you don't sit there, feel confused or feel shy or feel embarrassed. And I think that he would get that.
0: Okay, good explanation. So if I was to say to who's the top, and we're going to do three questions, but I'm I'm going to hold you to three answers for each one. Um, so first one, if I was to say to who's the top three people who – you are following or interested in and it could be people who are new to the scene people who are doing things differently or people who have been here a long time what three
1: names come to mind uh so i would definitely say helen blunden um she is a rare special person in our field well i shouldn't i don't want to say just our field Like, um, she expands herself, I think, much more outside the L&D world than than just putting her in that box. But Helen is this, I call like, explorer. She is that type of person that should be sent to Mars when the first mission goes because (laughs) she will get out of that every single thing that everybody would want to know and see and learn. Um, I was watching her and her husband on Snapchat yesterday and I was like, this is a gift. What she does is a gift. Um, And I get really frustrated though when I see the amazing um, efforts and exploration and discovery she puts into her work and I don't feel she's recognized enough for it and I don't think she actually gets enough work from what she does as well. Um, I think having someone be that brave to share so much for the rest of our benefit online is as I, I call it a gift. Okay, yeah, Helen. So I would say Helen. Oh God, these are long answers. I'm so sorry. Um, the other person who is recently part of my um, network is Trish Yule. Uh, last name is U H L. I met her in London with Shannon Tipton. Both of them made my week in London amazing. And Trish has this forward-thinking view on L&D and data and measurement and all these, like, incredible things that I think is worth listening to and um, the explanation she gives I like. And what I I asked her is, like, how are you able to convince people about these ideas? And the thing is, she's working in emerging markets where they don't have the years of the traditional status quo to struggle against. And so they are embracing the new um, and the approach that I think we need to approach here. So I think she's really exciting. Um, it's exciting to watch what she's doing and to hear about what she's doing. She has a webinar coming up actually that I'm gonna take part in, um, even though it's 5.30 in the morning for me, I'm still gonna sign on because I love what she's talking about. Okay. And the other person who I am paying the most attention to, um, that's a really good question. I really, there's so many people I follow. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with NPR podcasts. And so I'm going to say NPR as a person because I'm cheating, sorry. But um, they, they are putting out so many thoughtful podcasts and um, that just really are helping me translate some of that information into the L&D space, like Hidden Brain, Invisibilia. These are wonderful podcasts where people are digging into important things in storytelling fashion um, that I think not only can we learn from as a topic, but also their approach, because storytelling is something I think we need to bring into L&D more. So I'll say Helen Blunden, Trish Ewell, and NPR.
0: Perfect, perfect. So Helen is awesome. I keep. I need to get her on this podcast and unfortunately yes, I don't you do. think I'm going to get her in season 1. Um season 2 though is going to be a slight shift to what season 1 is about. And I think she's going to be the perfect guest for that. Um Trish I'm not I'm not I don't think I know Trish. I don't think. So that's one to be um to kind of follow on and yeah, see what see what she's all about. Um NPR is you've kind of used it as a trick and I could get out but it's going to push you for the next question in just a second. Um, But but I think, you know, NPR is great. You know, hidden brain, invisibility. I was was talking with someone recently about one of the episodes which you had around. um, It was BP, uh, not BP, it might've been Shell. It talks about how they had to teach the people on the oil rigs to cry, to share. Yes, that's an
1: awesome episode. Yeah. Such an awesome episode. So, yeah,
0: I think, um, it's interesting that you know there's some some good correlations there between us um okay then so they're the three people okay let me ask you this question what are the free tools resources or take that very loosely however you want to take it um what what you use at the moment and let's say this you can't use social media because that's too easy um and you can't use google
1: oh it's funny i don't use google very much that's funny it's not my go-to search engine um Okay. So I would say the library. I have always, always been such a huge fan of the public library since I was uh, like in like six, seven years old, and I was reading, reading Tintin like crazy. Um, I have always had the library as part of my life. I've always had a library card, and I, I'm constantly using it. The fact that I can get access to Lynda.com, for example, I can get. Free audiobooks that I can put on my phone to listen to while I'm on a plane, for example. All of this is just, I think, is again, it's such a gift that we are able to get all this free knowledge and free support um, from wonderful people who run the public library. So that would be for sure one of my tools. Um, so, wait, is this tools for learning or just?
0: Um. It, yeah. So it can be tools for learning. Um. It can be tools or, for day to day life. Um. So I mean, you uh, mentioned. You know, we can't use Google. So I've, I'm assuming you're going to be kind of a, a DuckDuckGo user or something similar. No, no. Actually,
1: I, I I should be using DuckDuckGo probably, but. Um, I just I honestly I search a lot on like YouTube and Twitter and, and places like that. Okay. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yeah. No, because no. because I get search results plus people's views on things as opposed to the algorithms that Google serves you up the things that they think you want to know. Um and so it I just find I get interesting results from the other places. Um okay. I search on Facebook a lot too, actually. Yeah. Um so tools. Like I I, I find Another tool that I like is just is is it's good. I don't know if it sounds crazy or not, but my notebook and my pencil because I'm able. I think it's really important sometimes for us to get the thoughts out of our head and get them down on paper, so that we can connect dots better. We can evaluate better, um, and we can just free up our mind sometimes too. Like if I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about, let's say for example that um, I was working yesterday, knew I was going to do the podcast with you today. And while I'm working, I'm thinking about, oh, my God, what am I going to say in the podcast? Well, then I'm not concentrating on the work that I need to get done. So I I will often take those thoughts and just write them down in the notebook beside me just to get them out of my head. So that's a good tool for me. Um, And this is like, I don't know if this is crazy, but I love my hammock. I have, I have an Eno Hannock. It's Eagle Nest Outfitters. I'm not paid by this company <laughs> to say this. But it, it is one of the best purchases I have ever made because it it is about the size of a grapefruit once I fold it up. So I take it with me like everywhere. I actually hung it up between tree, tr- two trees on the side of the Grand Canyon last year and it was one of the best times I've ever had. But what it does for me is it forces me out of the house, it forces me to look for places of quiet, it forces me to slow down, it forces me, um, I shouldn't say force, but it it encourages me to do self-care more often. And I really just really think that's important that if I'm going to be able to, if I want to be the person that helps people learn and develop, and I want to to have more insight on things, or if I want to be more empathetic towards people and I'm not doing self-care, like good luck. And so the hammock, I know it sounds like funny, and it's probably a tool you weren't expecting, but it is the thing that has really helped me in the last year or so since I bought it to take time for me and to just pause and think through things without distraction, with just the trees like blowing above me. It is such a wonderful thing. Before that, I was doing um, float tanks a lot, where you go in that you know, 100,000 pounds of salt water or whatever and float in darkness and silence. And I love that too. But the hammock for me is a different piece of self-care because I can do it literally almost anywhere at any time. Um, I love it. Love it.
0: Yes, perfect. So flotation tanks are awesome. Um, I think they're slowly but surely gathering a bit of momentum over here. Um, I'm quite lucky. There's There's one in Manchester, so it's about 20 minutes away from me.
1: Have you tried it?
0: Yeah, so I've done it a couple. I've probably done it about three or four times, um, and I, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes I I can really relax, and sometimes I just can't. Um, it's really interesting. The first time I did it, I kind of I relaxed straight away, but by the time I got into a relaxation, the time was up. So, mm-hmm. but I, I think the 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 problem I've done is I've not been consistent. So I've done it and waited like maybe four or five months and then gone again. Where really you need to be, I'd say, pretty consistent, I guess, to get the benefit out of it maybe.
1: Yeah, I had a membership, so I went monthly to the float tanks here. And um, I think that does help because you kind of get into a, a routine at first, so you know what you're going to expect. and you. And what I find is sometimes I would journal before I would go so that I wouldn't have so much thoughts in my head. Um, Well, I was there because sometimes I wanted to just concentrate and think through one particular topic, Um, but I have like a horrible ADHD squirrel brain, and it's really hard for me to focus in the tank sometimes, and I'm okay with getting out early um, from the allotted time that they give you, but I think it is... So important for us to sit with our thoughts. I'm glad to hear that you're okay with that, because so many people tell me, like, I would never do the float take, not because of the darkness, not because of the water, just because I don't know what would pop up in my mind and I'm afraid of what would come to my to my thinking. And I and I, I, I that that worries me that we feel that way um, because those thoughts don't ever disappear; they just keep cropping up. And if you don't just dig in and deal with them, <laughs> you're just basically carrying them with you your whole life. And I, for me, I just want to get past things that are holding me back. Um, So that's really cool that you've tried that. I recommend the float tank to people too, but I know it's a difficult, it's difficult for people, especially if you have um, trauma in your past and you're afraid of the dark, for example, or something like that, or claustrophobic, it's not an easy ask. so that's why my my new my new thing to preach is the is the, is the power of hammocking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's definitely a brand you could be putting out there. Definitely, Jimmy, you know? Um It's yeah. It's been, I think who put me onto flotation sex? Actually, it was Joe Rogan. You know, the comedian. Yes, he's podcast. bought one
1: because he loves it so much. Yeah.
0: So I listened to his podcast quite a lot, and it was actually when I, you know he used it for creative writing for his you know his comedy yes. material, and I ju- yeah. I jumped into it from kind of. To see from a creative point of view what it could bring um, and then I'm slowly but surely trying to get into TM meditation at the moment mm-hmm. um, but yeah, when I say slowly I mean it's pretty much non-existent right now um, but it is something what's on my to-do list to actually throw some real time into
1: it So why are you deciding to choose so you're saying transcendental meditation, right? Yeah So why that particular branch um, as opposed to well, I, I so why are you starting in that route, for yeah, example?
0: Definitely. So I've tried different types of meditation before, um, and I've just I've just found you know when you look at something like say headspace, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. headspace is good, but it, it I just I just still find it a little bit too hard to kind of completely go. It's like it starts to drift a touch and then boom, it's back on where I think with tm, um one of the things which I like is you you know you you, you continually chant this kind of word over and over and over again. And it, mm-hmm. the, the idea behind it is, is that your your brain switches off to this word after after a while, so it kind of keeps the brain busy thinking about mm-hmm. this word, and then eventually mm-hmm. it switches off, and the word becomes less and less noisy, and it's meant to get you there a little bit faster. Um, and I think I'm, I'm quite action oriented, so I think if, you know, give me a task of saying this word over and over again, and it, it might, you know, it could be that when I get into this, it, it's another failure. But I guess I won't know unless I, I actually throw some time into it and see. See so I'm
1: gonna I'm just going to put a little a wrench in there for you and okay. challenge you a bit, because I've been thinking about those two as well. The kind of headspace approach where it is, you know, just letting your thoughts happen and, and coming back to focus. And then the transcendental where you have one thing that you actually focus on. What I like about the headspace and those there's a ton of apps like that, that kind of approach, the kind of mindfulness thing is, it, is as, it's allowing us to be OK with our thoughts and then they just drift in and out, and we don't judge them. We don't say like, "Oh my God, why am I thinking that?" Um, and we're just aware of the fact that there are these things called thoughts. And because I think that and it's so funny—I think that um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we 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 have these thoughts and we think that they're reality, and they're not. And and that's where I like the mindfulness piece of the med- meditation is that it just helps us get more comfortable with the fact that our brain will go in all of these crazy directions and it's totally okay. <laughs> um, like, and, and learning how to handle that sort of thing where a thought comes into your brain while you're walking down the street and you're like, oh my God, and you start to feel anxious as opposed to just going, oh, that's just a thought. It's not reality. Um, and I'm just going to keep walking and not let myself get overwhelmed by something. Because I think we create stories in our head a lot that aren't based on reality, and we get ourselves worried, we get anxious, we get angry, um, and then it comes out on Twitter, for example. <laughs> um, and so that's why I just I'm, I'm just putting that out there that I think it's okay that you lose focus and you come back again because that's just what we do, right? That's what we do. Yeah. But I, I would love to hear how you, how it goes with the transcendental too, though, because it's something I'm curious about. Um, but I think I would really get frustrated by saying something over and over and over again. So I want to know how it goes for you.
0: Yeah, I, I will definitely keep you in the loop with that one. Um, I think I, I've got to, before I even address TM, I've got to address my, um, my morning routine a little bit as well before I get there, I think. Yeah, true. Um,
1: morning Morning routine, I think, is the key to success for anybody.
0: Yeah, um, my, my morning routine is kind of, well, I don't really have a consistent one. Um, I've actually tried to, probably over the last two weeks, I've tried waking up, and once, once I actually wake up, read a, read a chapter of a book, not touch my phone. Because one of the things which I struggle with, I think, is I'll read a book, and then, you know, I've talked about this but openly. I have dyslexia and dyspraxia, so one of the things this is, is I read a book, and then, you know, the next day I can't recall that chapter. Mm-hmm. I can't recall it greatly, you know, and, and maybe after a few prompts I can, but I can't recall it, which worries me. So I'm thinking about, okay, well, maybe I'm not reading to learn. I'm just reading to read. And and so then I'm kind of addressing that in my head at the moment. It's kind of, okay, well, maybe maybe the time at which I'm reading, my my brain is completely frazzled out. So maybe I need to just change my routine of times to read.
1: You know, I'm going to recommend something to you. I'm going to be writing a blog post on this soon. I just haven't got around to it. But there is this tool that I think is – so do you ever use a Kindle? Yeah. So there's this tool that I think is brilliant. Um, it's called Readwise. Okay. And I've been using it because I've, I'm the same as you. I will read and then like the next day I'm like, what the hell was that chapter about? I don't even remember. And then I go like, well, why the hell am I reading if I'm not remembering this stuff and not retaining it? Because then if I'm not retaining it, then I'm actually not acting on it either, unless it's fiction, then I don't have to. But um, Readwise, I have started using, oh my God, it's so fantastic. So you will... Um, Be on your Kindle and you'll be reading and in the moment you're like, oh, I really like this sentence. I like this idea or I like this paragraph, right? Mm -hmm. And what you can do is you can highlight it because in the Kindle you can highlight it. And then what Readwise does is it collects these highlights and it serves it back to you in email and a schedule that you choose. Oh, wow. And I so I love it because it's actually your own personal performance support (laughs) basically you provide yourself with retrieval opportunities and I love it because I'm now in my inbox I have it scheduled I think for every two days and um, I think I have four four highlights a day and so it will just pick and you can favorite things so that you get some of these highlights more often. And oh, that's so good. So I will like like tomorrow's email, for example, from Readwise will give me four highlights from things that I've read and I'll be able to then have that top of mind again, that idea that I probably forgot because I read the book probably two months ago. Right. It's such an excellent tool.
0: Oh, wow. Yes, thank you for that.
1: I'll, um, I'll and the, and that. the other piece, just a, a sort of um, a pro tip, quote unquote, is that if you're on um, Chrome, I don't know if you use it, but um, I've been using it for years. It's the Send to Kindle Chrome extension. And so if you have a blog post, like Connie Malamid, for example, will write some cool stuff, um, and I will grab that blog post, send it to my Kindle, read it on my Kindle for the express purpose of wanting to highlight pieces so that Readwise will send it back to me. Wow.
0: Okay. Okay, this is good. And what what was that? Um what was that called again?
1: Readwise.
0: Um and the readwise and the Chrome extension?
1: Oh, send to Kindle.
0: Send to Kindle.
1: Send to Kindle allows you to send like any blog post to your Kindle. Right, okay. Perfect. So it's kinda like what Pocket is, except that you it lands on your Kindle and then you can highlight it so that you can get it sent back to you in ReadWise. So it's this really great thing that I've started doing this year. So I feel like I want to read again because I know the important pieces of a book that I like, I will be able to see them again, as opposed to like moving on to the next book and forgetting the stuff that I read in the previous book.
0: Wow! How cool! Awesome! Yes, thanks for them. Um, I will definitely be um be adding them onto kind of my yeah my Chrome extension for sure. And yeah, awesome. So, I guess you know, and you know we've we've touched over the hour mark. How are you for time, Jamie? Are you okay?
1: Oh yeah, I'm fine, and I think I didn't get to your third question yet because I'm going on so many tangents. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's
0: fine. Okay, so my my next question would be, if I was to if I wanted to ten x my work, what three tips would you give me?
1: Oh my god. I've probably mentioned it. Like it's yeah, I'm gonna have a theme going here, but you you I think we have to. We have to, have to um, have times to pause and reflect. Um, Just constantly going forward and not pausing, I don't think it works. Um, So I would say that. It sounds funny, like you want to 10x your work and I'm telling you to pause more, but I do believe that pausing and reflecting actually really helps us. Um, Unplug more often uh there's a book that i just read from the woman who is the host of i believe she's the host of either note to self or invisibilia and she has a book called board to brilliant and it talks about unplugging and the difference it makes um, in our lives and i do believe that we need to unplug more often so that we focus on the real stuff and not get so distracted by all these arguments and all this news and all this shit about Trump and Brexit and all these things that are just taking us away from what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that I would say is, if you want to 10 extra work, um, I love my notebook and pencil, of course, I, I like just conversations like this, of course, but I do believe you cannot. Um, 10 extra work, so to speak, without digital tools. I just, I don't think you can. And so figure out what is gonna work with you on your phone or on your laptop, a couple of tools that are just gonna help you get more done, that's the reason they exist, um, and for the most part. And I believe that there are some incredible things out there that can just help us offload some of the stuff that we waste time with that doesn't necessarily matter. Like for example, just like I, if you're a consultant, for example, and you've got receipts and expenses, um, why the hell are you still carrying those paper receipts around in your pocket when there's apps that you can just take a picture of it, right? Like just these simple things like that that can make our life a lot easier. Yeah, completely agree. And I would say my number one tool for that is LastPass. LastPass, okay. This is good to know. I because guess... we, we need good passwords and we can't remember them and LastPass just does all that for you.
0: Ah, cool, okay. It's really how many,
1: if you think about how much time people have spent on forgetting a password and then trying <laughs> and then clicking that button that says forgot password and then trying to think of a new one. If you just think about how much time you've done that and you would save with one app, wow. even that is, is good.
0: <laughs> it's, it's actually really, it's actually a really good point. And then it's not even that, it's the fact that you've got to go to your emails, click the links, I say that. Oh, right. It yeah. Right. And all you chat, oh, you probably will do is adding another digit onto your originally old password, what you forgot about. Yeah. it's um, it's very long winded, but it's interesting. I, I, I use if quite a lot, if this, when that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just to automate, you know, some of my, my basic things, you know, sometimes it'll be, if I put a post out one way, if this and that, kind of send it out another way. It mm-hmm. can, can be as complex or as, as simplistic as you want with that. But I think, yeah. Ways to automate, I think, automate the, the the low impact and low priority work is probably the... Yes. ...is a good shout. Yeah. So if I was to say, okay, Jamie, the 90-year-old Jew is, you know, in the future, this 90-year-old Jew is going to send you some advice right now. What's the one bit of advice they would send you what you're still struggling to take?
1: Fuck, these are good questions, Danny. Oh, I just forgot. Sorry. Um, <laughs> these good. are really good questions. My 90-year-old self would tell me right now, I'm can. I going to say, like, right off the top of my head, I would say, spend less time in email. Okay. I have said in the past that nobody, nobody on this planet is going to be on their deathbed and go, oh, my God, all those great emails I sent and read. <laughs> no one is going to do that.
0: Okay. That's that's great advice, great advice. So, you know, let's let's wrap this up then, because you know, obviously the sun is still shining. So at the beginning, I asked you, you know, when you were young, what is it you wanted to be when you grow up? And you mentioned an artist. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. we're, we're in a, we're in an industry where we're constantly telling people to kind of, you know, develop and grow and, and you, know, con, continue, you know, continue to develop yourself. So obviously, we never really stopped growing and we never really stopped developing. At no point does someone say, right, you've hit this age and that's it, you, you, you know, that's it. You all grown up. So if I was to ask you the question now, Jamie, what is it you want to be when you grow up? What would you say? Oh, now?
1: Yeah. Uh, an, an artist. Perfect. Okay.
0: This is good. This is good. So at the beginning of the, um, of, the, of the start of this podcast, I asked you to pick some numbers out. And this was really simple. These numbers are tally to a list of random items What I have. So... Your numbers. Okay,
1: ge- okay, Danny, this is genius. <laughs> this is really genius. You really thought this through. I'm really impressed. Okay, sorry, keep going.
0: No, no, thank you, thank you. Um, so these these four numbers are tied to a random list of items, okay? And the, the thing is really, really simple. You're on a desert island, and you have these four items. I just want to know what it is you would do with these items. So you have a glow stick. Oh, my God. A bookmark some face wash and this was really interesting this next one and you have a pencil so what would you do with these four items
1: uh so uh, so funny this is this is awesome with the glow stick even though i never went to raves um i just skipped over that whole thing (laughs) Um, and from manchester you're probably like what like (laughs) uh okay so i would I would honestly I would have songs in my head and I would just do my own solo rave on the beach with the glow stick on that deserted island and just dance um uh, I think that would be amazing okay. um I'm a big fan of house and deep house music, so there would be a lot of songs I'd have in my head for that um this bookmark you know it's so interesting this is a really good question, so obviously I'm not gonna have a book to put the bookmark in. But I think what I would try to do is um, if I'm on a deserted island and I have lots of time to explore, I would probably then – this sounds kind of funny, but I would bookmark the spots on the island that I want to return to. Okay. So I would maybe like go out for a day and find something really interesting, like you would find in a book, and I would bookmark that spot and then you know come around another day and find that bookmark again and go, okay, now I have to find another interesting thing on this island. So I keep discovering while I'm there so I don't get bored out of my skull.
0: Okay. I love it. I love it.
1: Um the face wash was the other one? Yep. Um well the face wash, I guess I would I would I would wash my face, but um I'm not sure that I would worry about that much. I bet you that would get the least amount of use because there's no one there to really, I I mean, it would feel fresh to have my face washed, of course, but why not just go in the ocean and do that? Correct. Um, I love the ocean. Um, And then the last one was, don't tell me, I'm going to remember, I don't remember. (laughs) It was a pencil. Oh my God, yes, a pencil. (laughs) Oh man, but I have nothing to write on. And nothing to draw on. Yes, I do. So I would find, um, I would find what material exists on the island that it, in its current form or in dried form or something I could draw and write on. I would, that would be like the first, probably the first thing I would do once I landed on the island and saw the pencil, is find the thing, the object or whatever I can do to, to draw and write on and i would make sure that i would draw and and write every day
0: okay perfect i love it great um great creative thinking there jamie definitely so you know just coming to the end now i guess where can people find out a little bit more about about jamie Where, where can we go to find out a little bit more about you
1: um twitter uh, at jgooddfc. dfc so the dfc stands for digital Flu- fluency coach even though i'm probably rebranding this year that's still where you can find me um and linkedin i probably spend most of my time on linkedin these days because it's where i get most of my opportunities from and um i still like it even though a lot of people are complaining about it being like facebook but i still really like it okay i I could say i have a website but like i said i'm going to rebrand so who knows when people are going to listen to this um so that's probably the easiest is twitter or linkedin linkedin is probably the easiest for everybody um that's what i'm going to say
0: okay perfect well jamie it's been an absolute pleasure
1: oh my god it's been amazing danny this is really good like you have really good questions you've pushed me uh, you've challenged me. You've triggered creative thinking and critical thinking. Like, this is really good. Like, I don't know if you're thinking of getting sponsors for this so that you get money out of it in sometime in the future, but um, you could, the, this, uh, this could be part of your career.
0: Awesome. I love it. Great idea. I'm yeah,
1: fantastic. no, this is really good. I'm looking forward to listening to the other interviews. Do you know? by chance, when it might be coming out for, for yes. listening?
0: So it should be, it'll be dropping on my birthday. So my birthday is on Tuesday. Um, what? Yeah, so I'm going to do it as a gift to myself. Um,
1: love, love, love this. Love yeah. it. So, I So, so I got to come to Manchester because we got to hang out because we have so many things in common from this conversation and we could just go on for hours. You're right. Like, I'm totally coming to Manchester.
0: Yes, definitely. When, when you're next up here, or even when you're next in the UK, definitely drop me a text and we can uh, we'll hang oh, out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess it's dropping on the 8th of May. So roughly each podcast takes around about four hours to do your social stalking on and you know get these questions which can be tailored and which will challenge. Um, so I just thought, you know, it, it was never really an idea to make money from it. It was always a gift of giving back. Of course. Of and, course. and that was kind of why I created that WhatsApp community as well. Gift of giving back to other people. Um, so yeah, but it'll be the 8th of May when it drops. So yeah, I will uh, I will tag you in your episode as well.
1: This is so yeah. It's been totally fun. Yeah, totally fun.
0: Awesome. Cheers, Jamie. You enjoy the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. bye. Bye bye bye.